Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Marina Seren, psychic medium, channeler, artist, ET contactee, secret space program survivor, and hybrid. Marina, welcome back to the program, and thanks for being here. Thank you for the invite, Jeff. I'm so glad to be back here. The last time you were here, we talked about the ET gray alien agenda and your perspective on it, but I believe you've changed your thoughts about it due to things that have happened to you since then. Can you tell us about that? Well, so since some years, I started to connect with a group of extraterrestrials that are uh, very ancient and really um, very knowledgeable. And they came here thousands, if not eons of times ago to help us um, understand more about ancient history, you know, about humanity and the inner technologies and and many much, uh, many more things about, you know, secret knowledge, lost knowledge, you know, and they will teach us and and be with us and connect with us and help us become more evolved. And so when I received this ET contact species from them, they will tell me a lot of things about myself, but they will also teach me about humanity. And one thing that they will teach me that is really important is that we are in the middle of a let's say, terrestrial cosmic era of evolution that is based on seven cycles of energy or seven cycles of evolution that are the seven root races. So for instances, those are the Atlanteans, the Lemurians, the Hyperboreans, all of these great ancient civilizations and, and, and super advanced civilizations or, or races of humans that we have heard about that they are our ancestors, you know, that we came from as species. So, you know, because there is these cycles of energies that is like um, that th- this is the big cycle of evolution that we are part of. The hybrid brain alien agenda really does not connect fully to that um, idea. So they have their own timeline in which they didn't make it, unfortunately, and they destroyed their own version of Earth, their own, uh, they didn't make it to evolve into the next race, into the next cycle of evolution. So unfortunately, they needed to go back in time to take our genetics that were available and to interspere with us to create this hybrid race so that we could eventually um, create these um, hybrids that supposedly in their narrative, in what they say through many channels, they need to come here um, and mix with us and blend in our society and eventually even interspere more with us so that we create this um, ultimate hybrid race or hybrid earth reality. You know, they are pushing that agenda of us welcoming them here into our civilization and blending with uh, with them, not just in terms of socially speaking, but also um, in, in genetics, you know, like creating this hybrid race. So 
when I started to get uh, communication or ET contact from these other beings that are these um, that are giant humanoids, they are Anunnakis, but they're positive Anunnakis. Um, they started to interfere with my process of connecting to these people and also to other groups of beings that were from Aldebaran, were Pleiadians from Aldebaran, who wanted to also help me understand more that part of history and more of our uh, natural course of evolution. So, because I was working towards the timeline, they, they didn't oppose necessarily the great hybrids because they respect the idea of choice and they respect the fact that we can choose for ourselves, you know, um, whatever that we feel like, you know, accepting, you know, or, or co-creating, co co let's say. <laughs> so, you know, because they are that respect respectful, you know, and they let us really choose, you know, what we want for ourselves, they didn't came uh, like towards me and said, you cannot accept them. You cannot co-create with them. You, those people are going to hurt you or anything, but they just rather let me co-create and do whatever that I found, you know, um, to be right for myself. But eventually these other beings, the hybrids started to attack me when they were observing that I was deprogramming myself from their, let's say, script that I came here to be eventually their Trojan horse. And that's the problem. The problem is that I came here with some sort of a script, you know, to tell humanity about, you know, their history and to eventually convince people on why they are supposedly relevant for humanity why supposedly they are needed here and we need to welcome them and we need to breathe with them you know so i came here as many other other trained horses or speakers in the you know in the ufology community i came here with that script you know to tell people to convince people because people initially will just say no you know this is our planet this is our civilization and we do not wish you know naturally to be replaced by other species because it's interfering with them it will also mean that we will be replaced in a sense. So at the, at the beginning, because they were observing, at the beginning of, of my interviews, you know, I was defending it and I was defending the script and I was, you know, like, right, you know, I'm going to tell this humanity. But as they were observing that, I was starting to co-create with these other extraterrestrials that were more respectful, you know, towards us and they let us... Um, create our own natural evolution without welcoming other species here to blend with us or anything. They observed that I was the programming myself in a sense from their script and, you know, and I was unbecoming their Trojan horse because that's what, that was one of my initial roles, you know, to, to defend them and to be their Trojan horse so that they could eventually um, do their, perform their agenda. So, Fortunately, I woke up to that, and when I started to become aware of the level of manipulation that I was part of from their part, and what kind of plans I was trying to convince people to, they started to attack me. Hmm. Physically, or just spiritually, or mentally? Well, the thing is that even though it's a psychic attack, what I received, apart from any other manipulations, it was translating into my physical body. And there was a moment in which I even had to go to the doctor, to the hospital, because I was experiencing a great deal of um, tension within my body that was almost going to give me some sort of fatal, you know, circumstance in my vessel. Why do so many people think that ETs are not really ETs, but they think that they're just demons? 
Well, that is because the Anunnaki, um, which are the creators of humanity, and they are the first, let's say, initial extraterrestrials that came here in Earth, they are called Anunnaki for a reason, because that means the ones that come from the stars, let's say. The ones that descended from the stars to Earth. And so they were um, they were seen as gods and they were seen as angels because not only because they have an angelic, let's say, consciousness, but also because they descended from the stars to our earth, our land, you know, mm-hmm. to create us. And that term of failing angel or a- angel that descends from the stars to the land to here has been mistranslated or or transverse into this you know into something that is seen as negative as Mm. falling angel as to the perspective of an angel that loses its innocence or their angelic dna but the anunnaki themselves they have angelic dna you know Mm. angelic consciousness not all of them there are many different groups so some of them do not have that but they they are angelic in nature they are part of these uh, great human species coming from originating in Lyra, in the Vega constellation, and also going to Andromeda, to the Pleiades, to Sirius, etc., to many other different uh, star systems or constellations. And, well, they, that was, you know, again, mistranslated because they came from their starships to the land of Earth. Do you still have the alien implant in your ear? And if so, do you think that's the way they were attacking you? Yes, that's the way the Greys were attacking me because they, it was even confessed by them in some um, sessions by a channeler that channels them that the Greys tend to have this tendency to place implants in the ears of abductees who are part of the hybrid programs. So when I was experiencing, when I was having my own experiences and I used my, my intuition and, and my own common sense to the, to get to the point of understanding that I had this alien implant from the grace, I observed with my own psychic side that I was being monitored and that they use it for also other tactics. You know, if, if we're not following the script, they use it a little bit for a background manipulation, you know. Mm-hmm. But they do it everything really passively, the manipulations, so that eventually we do not get um, conscious of their true intentions, which are agenda-based, of course. Now, you're saying that is of the gray aliens, right? The the classic ones that we see in all the artwork and popular culture of today. Yes. and But the reason why I mention it, it's because... They are part of the gray alien. I mean, there are many grays and there are, you know, many um, programs and agendas. But the ones that place my implant here specifically and attack me are the ones from the gray hybrid alien agendas. I've wondered this and I want to know what your opinion is. Do you think the grays are actually like biological robots? Are they sentient beings? Well, actually, they are sentient beings the difference is that because the lack of connection because they lost their that um connection with their emotional body they eventually become a little bit um and because they're blended with nanotechnology in their timeline they work a lot with the idea of eugenics and genetic manipulation and also um 
the idea of nanotechnologies and artificial intelligence because they blend so much their the idea of technology and artificiality uh, artificial um I don't know what that word says, sorry. <laughs> you're from Spain and English is yes. your second language. So yes. don't worry about it. And you're doing an amazing job as it is. Thank you. And I'm sorry. But because they blended so well with that idea of artificial intelligence, you know, nanotechnology and, and eugenics, they became a little bit symbiotic in a sense because nature um, has its own algorithms of like let's say behavioral patterns within consciousness so for instance when you're too connected or well connected to your emotional bodies that body connects um directly to your creator energy because you know that's that chakra you know the creative energy so we humans are so emotional that's why we are so creative because we're just so emotional so we have a lot of that creative energy. And that's why in our algorithms, you know, within our consciousness, our behavioral patterns have so much uh, diversity, but they became a little bit robotic in a sense because they eventually blended so much with technology to correct that emotional aspect of themselves. So they cut out in a sense that um, creative um, spark, you know, in their soul, in their spirit, in a sense. So that's why they looked to many people as, symbiotic or even robotic you know like having no spirit or no soul now i'm not saying that all of them are part of this negative human evolution that you know did this process of becoming and becoming human by blending more with the technology and cutting out really important aspects of of the human you know a blueprint you know but there are some that are cloned or even made as artificial vessels in laboratories by different species, such as reptilians, draconians, or, or who knows whom, you know, Anunnaki beings. So, you know, um, it depends, of course. Were the gray aliens the ones that were responsible for having you be a mother of alien-human hybrids? Those are the ones for the, from the negative timelines of human evolution, the ones that destroy their version of Earth and came here for genetics. Have you been in contact with any of your hybrid children lately? No, in fact, they have been um, they have been negative to my perception towards me because I rejected them. But furthermore, because they know that I am against their agenda and that I really didn't want it to become a mother. So they have even get to manipulate me. You know, in the actual, they threatened me even sometimes, not physically threatened me, but they told me that they were certainly sabotaged certain connections with me because they push, you know, they force this connection with me and their agenda so that I welcome them. Because, you know, there's a misconception. Many people think that the only way that um, extraterrestrials can get here is by someone, you know, being placed in front of a camera or in YouTube and saying, hey, you know, uh, this is what you have to accept or convincing people or speaking positively about them. No, it's mostly about vibration and energy. And we know this, you know. So if we, if they ground, let's say, into the Earth matrix, into the Earth planetary matrix or telluric lines, the magnetosphere of the Earth, enough people that are harmonizing with the reality, they have a medium let's say, or a channel, a bridge for them to come here and make it so that the telluric lines of the earth or the magnetosphere of the earth contains 
much more of the probability or possibility for them to come here and get manifested, you know, mm. get in, you know, in, in our planet, because we will be harmonizing and blending our realities, their species and our species, so that there is a point of a common area of intersection mm. in which they serve as a bridge. It's interesting that you brought up the magnetosphere. I've heard you talk or at least I've seen titles of your videos or other people's videos about the morphogenetic field. What is that and how does it relate to ETs? The morphogenetic field is all about how consciousness is responsible for the evolution of genetics. Okay. So in a sense, it's talking, it's describing how genetics doesn't have a, um, let's say, unpredictable and random uh, path of evolution or, you know, development, but rather consciousness dictates that path. Okay. That's interesting because sometimes I talk with people and we talk about that our bodies are a manifestation of our consciousness. And so that kind of seems the same thing as well as, you know, um, I think Dr. Joe Dispenza talks about that if you do deep meditation and stuff that you can change your genetics. Yes. And that connects also with what we're talking about, about their bridge to come here. They insert genetic implants in our DNA, in our vessels, so that that frequency, that let's say molecule or implant, it's informing or programming in our auric field or, or, or magnetic auric bodies. Their frequency signature, it's acting like a quantum, let's say, uh, technology that connects with their frequency signature so that their frequency signature gets programmed, you know, within our auric bodies so that they can influence our genetics via the morphogenetic field, you know, by making us more like them in terms of genetics. And the more that we become that, the more that they have this bridge to, you know, eventually land here and have that probability of of manifesting that timeline. So you're saying that they're influencing our genetics through our aura and they're implanting stuff within our consciousness and our aura to influence our genetics, right? They have that technology and, and that ability through genetic implants, yes. But it is not like like an implant as like nanotechnology. Um, as it's more of like an infusion of genetics with, uh, they can they use nanotechnology but they infuse it within your nervous system or your own body. And it is like, yes, like a genetic implant. And it, it is programmed with their own genetics, with their own frequency signatures. So that, you know, you start to inform the overall because they cannot change your your base, you, you know, your, your original DNA. They cannot change it, you know, and manipulate it like that. But they can influence it, you know, eventually. And so it, it acts as a it acts as a transmission of a transmission of their frequencies, of their vibrations, their consciousness, their reality. I've had a guest on and we were talking about that, you know, humans have been created by ETs and at one point they made us too smart. And so they actually had to dumb us back down. And I think that's kind of what the Garden of Eden story is in the Bible. It's kind of referring to that. And so that now when people have injuries to their nervous system, sometimes these abilities, these cognitive abilities start turning back on. 
And sometimes I think that they're even psychic abilities, especially with my NDE experiencers. They start having these empathic abilities, premonitions, clairaudience, clairsentience. Can you comment on that? I perceive that um, the history story, sorry, about Eve taking the apple can have that. Yeah, like can be pretty much about that. Like, let, let's say as a way to warn humans that we we must not become sinful supposedly by desiring to get enlightened or desiring to get knowledge you know because they want us to become dumb as you say so that we are manipul- uh, manipulated by them and they can use us as as they wish but i also think it's a manipulation in terms of making feel women like they are the sinful gender mm. which is you know other kind of politics and ideologies but you know it has many purposes like purposes i think but yes and so respect in uh yeah like um in regards to that question um i believe that those experiences in which their nervous systems get damaged supposedly it's because I think it's more because the neurological, there is something called algebraic topology that studies how there is geometries of connections between neurons in your brain that if they have a specific path, they can lend you to have different functions within the brain. So I think that when there is an injury, if some of them are reprogrammed back to another, let's say, of path, you know, like geometrical path, that can lend them to have to recover different functions that maybe was lost in, you know, along our history. I think the guest was saying that if you look in ancient stories and you'll see more than one, that the ETs were basically, they sprayed some kind of gas on the planet, that that's how it affected us. To be honest. Yes, yes, yes. I've been informed about this part of history too. Specifically, when there was a great civilization living in the North Pole or the South Pole, I'm not sure, but um, uh, because we migrated, you know, I was, I am really connected to a civilization that is called Hyperborea. Hmm. And its origin, it's a place, let's say geographical place, it's in, in the North Pole, you know in the Arctic cycle. And so it is said that um, I didn't, the only recovery, uh, the only memories that I recovered from that was that I was planted in some specific um, things that were absorbing the gases that were sprayed eventually. And that we migrated, but the reason why we migrated to the South Pole is not because of the gas chest, but also because of the ice age, because there was a new cycle of evolution. So there was an ice age and we had to migrate to the South Pole. That's why I eventually cannot say if it was the gas was sprayed in the North or the South Pole, but definitely I've heard about it. I was told that telepathically and psychically in dreams. So that's true. It's true. I resonate with his perspective on the gas being sprayed. Do you think global warming is being caused directly or indirectly by ETs? I think global warming, it's the, um, I think the responsible for that, it's um, the solar flash events that we are experiencing right now because there's a pole shift. The magnetosphere of the Earth is losing in its intensity, let's say. 
So because it's becoming a little weaker because the poles are just not the, the magnetic poles, not the geographical poles, the magnetic poles are not becoming that, uh, let's say, stable. The magnetosphere in general is getting a little weaker. So the solar flash that now is intensifying because it's informing the whole solar system that there is a new jump in like quantum jump, you know, like an ascension, like the ascension that we talk about so much about, a new cycle of evolution. Uh, it's becoming, it's causing the Earth, of course, to absorb, to receive more of these radiations. So I believe the responsible is this solar flash event. All right. Some people will talk about blonde race of ETs that may be on the planet that are tall. They kind of call them Nordics. I recently had a guest that told me that the Finnish language is from ETs. There is no, there's not any history of that language being created. Have you heard anything about that? Yes. And I'm really connected to Nordics myself, specifically to a species of, of Nordics that are called, that are from Aldebaran. They are Anunnaki, but instead of being more of a reptilian DNA, because uh, some Anunnakis, even though they're human, they have a little bit of reptilian energy. And the ones who have more reptilian energies are the ones who are here in, mostly in general to control Earth. By, but this specific Anunnakis have more of the Pleiadian and Nordic DNA. So these are Anunnaki Pleiadians, let's say. And they come from Aldebaran. And yes, they are the ones who were mostly, um, let's say, lending their genetics and their knowledge and their culture to the part of the north, as well as in Sumeria too, and India and many parts, even Greece, you know, many other parts of the world. But yes, in the north, because in the north, there was this, there was this big ancient civilization that I was talking about before that I am so connected to that is called Hyperborea. And so... It is true that to me it resonates that the Finnish language is it's from their origins, you know, or maybe other version of the Nordics, but it could be. Who knows? She was saying that there was one other language on the earth that's also ET origin, but she couldn't remember. Do you know of any other language? Yes. What is that one? It's actually on my country. Spanish? It's not a Spanish. Oh, it's yeah, Latin. Basque. Oh, Basque. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about the Basque language. Is it is it completely non-Latin based? Non-Latin based, non-Indo-European based. Hmm. Interesting. Do you speak the language? Kaisho ser mudusaide niritsena marina da. What did that mean? Hi, how are you? My name is Marina. <laughs> oh wow. Okay, that's amazing. Is there any evidence of ETs in the Basque region of Spain? There is a lot of UFO sightings in that region, and there is a lot of percentage of RH negative, which is pretty interesting because there's always this study is talking about the link between the RH negative bloodlines and the extraterrestrial genetics, you know? Really? Tell me more about that. Yeah, so you know that RH negative is not pretty um, natural, and the reason why, it's because if you're a mother that is RH positive and you have a baby that has the, um, the gene of the RH negative in its phenotype, not just the genotype, you are going to, you're probably going to the re reject the child. So, you know, because you're not compatible, the blood is just not compatible. And so that in nature, it's just not, uh, it's not naturally a path of evolution. We, as we were created, or let's say, I mean, not we, because we're no longer them, but the human species or the primate species of the past that were here, they were not 
um, they, they had enough survival rate. And, you know, in relationship to the path of evolution that they were taking, you know, in terms of how their bloodlines were um, created or how they managed to evolve certain other features to adapt into the environment and to interact with the environment. So the RH negative factor was a mutation that was just not eventually like 1%, you know, in the world, but rather it was like a phenomenon around the world. And that just doesn't happen. Like when there's a genetic um, um, flaw or something that is just not correct, you know, that is not uh, positive for, that is not bringing more of a survival rate. It has a tendency to be cut out, but this happened like on a grand scale, you know, all around the globe, you know. So it didn't have like a cause of a, it wasn't like the cause behind it. It was not like a negative, um, like a narrow, you know, within conscious, within, sorry, genetic codification, but rather like, um, it wasn't like narrow or negative mutation, but it was rather something that happened as an evolution, you know, and as a path of evolution. And, and it's because it wasn't a mutation. It was brought here by these extraterrestrial beings. So there's no possibility that it was, that it is from of, of an earth origin, but rather from an extraterrestrial origin. Since we're talking about evolution, are there any monkeys that have RH negative blood? I'm not aware of that, to be honest, but I've done some research, some research and I am not sure that they have, I mean, at least monkeys, it could be other animals could be because there are animals who even doesn't have um, blood that is based on, on iron, but rather on copper, you know, and other molecules. So I think that other animals, it can be possible, but when it comes to the primates, to our ancestors, you know, that's a whole different thing. So you're saying that RH negative is not a mutation of DNA. It's something that was created or brought here. It's something that it was definitely brought here to my perspective from the Anunnaki. So in the Basque region, there's a really big concentration of RH negative people. I wonder if it's also in Finland. Could be, you know, but, you know, people could not really think in that, in those dynamics of um, say, perhaps saying that, you know, oh, I have RH positive, maybe I don't have enough extraterrestrial blood. That gene is already within all population, you know, because it's part of our species, you know, uh, general, like uh, genetic blueprint. We all have that blood because we are all the same species and we are all hybrids. So if you have RH positive, it doesn't mean that you're not uh, of that bloodline. Maybe your grandfather has it or maybe your grandmother or your father or your sister or your cousin. You have it within your genotype, which is not the same as phenotype. Phenotype is when the gene is presented in the vessel as a protein, you know. But... um, the genotype is that overall collection of genes that you have from your own heritage that can, you know, have even opposite gen- genes, you know, codifications, the RH negative versus the RH positive. Do you think that the ETs came and created different races on the earth? Yes, certainly. Yes, it was the it was the consequence of the massive hybridization of and creation of the human species. Because the Anunnakis are not the only ones who participated, and the Anunnakis themselves are hybrids. They have different, um, they had different connections. But overall, humanity has a set of different twenty-two star races, 
genetics in their genetic blueprint, galactic blueprint. So because we were a massive experiment and many different beings came here to create us and lend, lend us um, their genetics, and not only genetics, but also culture, knowledge, language, um, and different things. Uh, and we took, and races also took their own paths, their different paths in, in evolution and, you know, their own migrations. That's why we have a set of different cultures here on earth and, and races eventually. I've been wanting to get a guest that has been in the secret space program. And I didn't realize that you, or we didn't talk about it the last time you were here. So can you tell us about your involvement in that? Sure. Well, at the beginning, I was a little bit um, skeptical of the space program because, you know, there's been a lot of mm, people misinforming about it, I think, I believe. But because, no, I don't blame them. The reason why it's because it's really complex topic in general, because we are talking about the fact that these are how you, how people usually get information about the space program is with um regressions you know with memory regressions and sometimes that can um, be misinterpreted or can fail but also because it's protected by the governments like the governments themselves they don't wish you know that there is this kind of disclosure or that people become aware of what's going on you know not uh infrastructures or 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 programs you know so because there's that level of um protection from the government you know there is a tendency to have to have a lot of misunderstandings or people who might be misinforming, you know, maybe not on purpose, maybe they're being manipulated. But so I, going back to what I was saying, at first I was a little bit skeptical. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, might be true, might be not true, but I was not really interested, you know, on it. For some reason, I was never interested because I was having actually really negative experiences with military people and also black helicopters and trauma and PTSD from experiences that I later learned that it was called MK Ultra. And so I was, I decided not to put my attention on it, you know, to focus more into my spiritual growth, into other things. But then slowly I started to realize how my traumatic experiences or memories that I got, um, in which I was seeing myself experimented on as a child and that, that I didn't, that I wasn't able to place in my timeline, you know, in space and time in, in this history of who I am in my life, because I wasn't able to place it in my timeline. I started to realize that maybe um, there was some abduction or something going on in there, but, you know, I didn't know what it was about. And so when I learned that it was MK Ultra and that that MK Ultra happened because it was done in the space program because they used it to create super soldiers and they used it to train people to eventually become psychic um, trainees, you know, psychic uh, soldiers, etc. Then I learned that I was part of the space program and that it is true and that it's real. And that's when I started to have my memories of the space program back to me, you know, and I slowly start to become aware of what it is about, about its history, and also that there is not only like the negative, that there are many kind of space programs out there, or factions, let's say. So let's say that there's not just one big uh, dark space program, which is which will be the dark fleet, 
but also other space programs that are also working with super soldiers or training psychically people, but not doing it in negative terms or not doing it for negative terms, you know, for negative uh, purposes, but rather um, for positive things. And then they are co-creating and working with um, extraterrestrials and they are part of an alliance, you know. So I learned all of that with time, you know, with regressions, with time, with mem natural memory recoveries, and also by communicating with these beings directly. You mentioned MK Ultra. What is that? MK Ultra is a form of mind control that is performed by um, fracturing or fragmenting the consciousness or the psyche of a child through events of traumatic events or ritual abuse, satanic ritual abuse. And so when it's fragmented, they program, they disassociate the, the, um, the child from their own psyche, their own identity and personality. And they create um, those altars that are fractals of that consciousness. They program them with the specific programming, with the specific, um, you know, training so that they can be used, um, you know, by them for different different purposes but again there's no only one kind of super soldier programming with mk ultra negative with speaking there are also other kind of super soldier programs that are not negative based that are not using this form of tactics so were you a part of the secret space program in this lifetime or a previous lifetime i am part of the space program in this lifetime but that connection came to me i mean it will have come anyways because they search for medium uh, mediums and psychic people, etc. And I rated high in in my memories that I got. I rated high into psychic abilities, so they wanted to use that. But um, my connection to the space program in general comes from my past lives as a member of a society back in Germany. That is where everything started. That is called the Real Society, which is the symbol that I'm that I have in my, in my body, in my pendant. And it's the, um, it's part, yeah, it's part of the history of how the space program got to be created eventually. It's like the timeline. And so, because I had two lifetimes in which I was involved in this society and other societies that were also in the, you know, creation of the space programs in general, both positive or negative, you know, they took different paths, they separated, you know, some of them took the positive path and become positive and some of them became negative, you know, or neutral. Because I had two incarnations there, I had a lot of connection here in, in I had a lot of um let's say probabilities of being targeted by this by this space program of course you know you mentioned the vril society yes uh, can you tell me more about that sure well back in the last century there was a woman who was from vienna from austria okay. she was called she's called maria orsic and she was a medium she is the medium because she's still alive she is a medium that uh, was contacted by extraterrestrials for, uh, from Aldebron, the other ones that I mentioned before earlier that are connected to me too. And they are eventually the ones who started to co-create with Maria Orsic and other mediums on, to create this society and start you know, to channel and uh, all these events of um, all these kind of like reunions of um, exchanging information that was given to them uh, telepathically about, for instances, um, 
papers or scripts about how to create anti-gravity technology, how to become free from the from the systems of you know um, that are enslaving us, you know, with these technologies that are not uh, free based, you know, free energy based. And also teaching them about ancient history of humanities, you know, like the ancient uh, knowledge that was lost and metaphysical knowledge, etc. And how to utilize a very important thing. That's why the name is real. How to utilize a universal energy that is in every, that is in the earth, that is in all points of space, that is called real, that is unlimited. And it's a universal energy. It's like the equivalent of chi and ki in ancient Asian cultures. But the word real comes specifically from a novel that is, com- that is called The Coming Race that talk about how a race of inner earth people or whole earth use this energy, utilize this energy in many different forms, such as um, how to become, how to heal themselves, how to destroy other beings, how to power their own technologies, how to you know, become more young, etc. Like they can use real for many different positive purposes, defense, attack, you know, uh, life force energy. It's a life force energy in general that can be utilized in universal ways. You know, it can be translated into many different other kinds of energies, which is electric, magnetic, etc. So, so yes, you know, that's why the name of the society is called real. They were taught all these things, anti-gravity technology, ancient human history, secret knowledge, metaphysical knowledge, and also how to utilize this energy for various purposes. But mainly it was how to create a spacecraft because they wanted to liberate humanity. They wanted to help humanity to have more of the human, of the Pleiadian angelic energies and not so much the the dark, you know, energies that were fighting, you know, and are still fighting in the moment to take over. Do you think that the majority of ETs that visit the Earth are either negative or positive? I think that naturally, because the law of nature is to always get into a zero point state, into balance. I think that the universe will never permit it so that there is more influence in like, um, technically speaking, technically speaking of negative energy versus positive energy. I think that we as a species and every consciousness will be given like equal choice, equal ability to choose in between one energy or another. And so it, it, it all ends up to being up to our response. So for instance, if there is more negative influence, it's because we are becoming more receptive to it naturally because we're responding to it because we're not yet prepared or evolved enough to choose the choice that we prefer for us, for ourselves. Do you think the majority of the ET contact with humans is done um, psychically or consciously, or do you think it's done physically? I think the most is done uh, psychically or in other realms that are not the physical. But many people worry about this and think, well, if this is it is being done in the astral realms, for instance, and I'm not being coming aware of what's being said to me, then how can I? even utilize what's being said to me. And I will tell them not to worry because consciousness is fractals and it works in harmonics of frequencies. You know, it has levels and layers of consciousness. The higher frequency and higher density um, 
uh, aspects of consciousness are in the above levels, of course, because they are the principal harmonic. And from that principal harmonic, all of the rest of fractals, you know, subdivide themselves, you know, and become smaller, smaller, and divide themselves and multiply because division is the same as multiplication down towards the below levels of consciousness, which is which are the ones that we are expressing here, you know, the unconscious and the physical mind, you know, those are the lower aspects of consciousness. And so because of this system, these fractal systems of harmonics, because they are all harmonizing in between each other, you know, among each other, if they inform our higher aspects of consciousness of something, that energy is going to come down to our lower aspects of consciousness. Why? Because it's not separated. Because there's not like a separation. There is a disintegration of perception in between the two or in between all of them. But there's never like a full separation. They are working together. They're intersecting. They're harmonizing. So eventually that will go down to our physical mind. And how that happens, it's by our natural system, our natural inner technologies translating that knowledge, that consciousness, that information that was given into uh, through different dynamics. It could be you manifesting an experience that teaches you that, or it could be you manifesting a book that lends you that knowledge by synchronicity, or it could be you thinking that you had an idea and it eventually even came from these beings, you know? So it could be, or it could come in a dream. It could come in many different formats or many different ways. You could process the information in many different uh, ways or through different dynamics, but it will eventually come down. So it is effective. Do you think that most ETs are existing in the 5D or the astral realm and not in our physical realm? I think that um, they are doing, the ones that are doing it are doing it as a reminder, but people translated us that we should unbalance ourselves and focus only on that aspect of our consciousness. But they do it on purpose because they observe that generally we have been way too focused into our material um, reality and our physical selves. So they make it as a counter, you know, energy, you know, like a counteraction to that natural, you know, set of um, behavioral patterns or, or focus of humanity's consciousness and, and energetics. I think three of my near-death experiencer guests have said that during their NDE, they went to a water planet. Have you ever heard of the water planet? Yes, I've heard that those planets that are made of water-like um, landscapes are usually serious because serious is a is a star system that connects highly with the idea of with the element of water. Do you think that ETs travel here through wormholes or do they travel here through the astral realm? They like pop into the astral realm and where they can travel at the speed of thought and then pop back out. I believe that at that point of density of consciousness, the astral and the physical is not that separated, so it's correct. They can eventually use technology that use teleportation. And how they do that is by synchronizing their own devices or technological uh, crafts into the frequency of the space or the coordinates that they wish to manifest themselves into. Hmm. But wormholes are used also. Hmm. Some travels through space and time. I was 
talking yesterday on my live stream about this report that came out, and the government released 1,600 pages of documents, and it was through the AATIP, which is the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. And in the article, let me see if I can find it here, one of the things that was looked into was... Um, let me just find it right here. Here it is. The authors propose a plan to look for extremely lightweight metals in the center of the moon that may be 100,000 times lighter than steel, but still have the strength for steel. So my thoughts are, why are they looking at for this metal? I mean, you know, like, why would they even have this idea that that metal exists And why would they go looking for this metal in the center of the moon unless they already have a craft or something that's created from this metal? What do you think about that? Well, many times there are treaties, you know, of governments and extraterrestrials. And so the extraterrestrials can eventually land um, or give away their, let's say, scientific knowledge about technology, how to use certain or, or even guidelines like, hey, you have these... You have this, um, let's say, a map of how to create this kind of craft based on this metal and where you can utilize it, where you can extract this metal. Sorry, it's, you know, basically it's in your moon. So maybe they, you know, suddenly become interested in that, um, extracting that metal from that planet because there might have been a treat, you know, of, you know, exchanging something between. Or maybe because there was reverse, reverse engineering, you know, because maybe somehow they discover that kind of technology elsewhere, even, you know, I'm not sure how sometimes they're, you know, uh, this kind of events that led them to discover them. And so they might experiment with it with reverse engineering and find that metal. And now how they discovered that the metal was um, in the moon, maybe because again of these, maybe they got guided by these extraterrestrials by making treatments or just by asking, you know, because it's a neutral thing that we get technology, you know, so it's even a positive thing that we get technology that is free energy based. What, so what why do, not? What do we have to give in exchange for that technology? This it is, it is not necessarily based on a treat, you know, because I was as I was saying, I initially said treat because most of the times is the shadowy governments who want more technology, etc. So I thought, oh, maybe you know, there's a treat in between, but. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they're just governments that are in research of free energy technology for the purpose of getting, you know, um, yeah, like advancements, you know, in our civilization, and that is fine. So just by asking, they might have it. But what can we give in exchange if it was the first option? Maybe genetics, maybe humans, maybe maybe like permission to abduct humans, to experiment humans, or, mm-hmm. or that kind of things that are pretty yeah. dark. Yeah, it could be scary. Within these same pages that were released, they're also talking about people who were near UFO craft, and obviously it's women, are becoming pregnant just being near these UFO craft. And since you're a hybrid mother yourself, can you give us any opinion on that? It sounds like a hostile event, for sure. uh, Sounds like what? Hostile. Oh, hostile. Okay, yeah. Pretty invasive. 
passively invasive, but still invasive in my opinion, because when there is a pregnancy, it matters a lot what is being created from those um, encounters. So I think, I believe that my connection to the idea of, of some hybrid programs, I'm not sure if it's the gray, but could be. And so it's pretty hostile that it is um, performed like that, you know, because it sounds like a desperate move, you know, from someone to kind of like impose their genetics or or those births, you know, or civilization. So who knows? But I think it's pretty, like, not positive for sure. <laughs> it's interesting to think about how could just being next to a ship, someone could become pregnant without any physical contact. Right. That's also something that I question myself about because, you know, I've never heard about that kind of insemination. Well, in fact, there, there must be not... Uh, fluids at all like that kind of cells from the male mm -hmm. so just by radiation just by waves being radiated towards the the eggs of the, the mothers in question if they get pregnant then i'm unsure what kind of technology that is about but it sounds pretty mm -hmm. fascinating for those of you that are watching in the Jeff Mara podcast Facebook page, I have this article linked so you can go check it out yourself. And within the article, you actually have links to the government, 1600 pages. And I actually only read a couple pages so far on wormholes. All right, Marina, well, I'm running out of time. And so I want to let people know more about you. What is your website and what can you find on there? So my website is www.marinaserrand.com. And what can people find on it is a blog with all my, with a set of articles that I made describing the Anunnaki, for instances, or about my, uh, about the theory on that we are hybrid beings. I was also planning to post more, more of my experiences there to write them, but it has taken me a little bit of time. So I am postponing it, but I will post more of those articles. I also have a gallery in which you can see either 3D art that I made about extraterrestrials or entities or spiritual guides or angels that I've seen or that I channel for, um, for people, for clients. You can also see uh, a gallery with the UFOs, some of the UFOs that I ever seen cut on tape by me. You can see also uh, pictures of the UFO marks that I got um, from my abductions, my own abductions. And you can also see some sketches of in pencil that I did about some of my experiences or encounters with extraterrestrials. Then I have a page uh, that is a section in which I describe a little bit of my story. And then I have another one that talks about the services that I, that I offer, which is the spiritual coaching. If people want to contact you to ask you questions, is it best to do it on um, through your website or on Facebook or email or what? In the website, definitely. There's a contact, you know, box so they can write me the message and send it there. What are you working on that you want us to know about? I'm working on starting to upload um, videos for my YouTube channel. And I'm also working on writing a book oh, about wow. all the, yes, all the metaphysical knowledge and channelings that I ever uh, got so, so far. All right, great. Well, since we're on YouTube, what is your YouTube channel called? Marina Serene. Before we finish up, can you leave us with one last 
positive message. I wish to let people know that we are really interesting times in the evolution of humanity and that they need to focus on their inner self and who they truly are and stand up for what they believe in. Because there's a lot of information coming up here. There's a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of channels open for us right now because we are in really crucial times when it comes to disclosure. But I recommend people that they tune into themselves and that they connect to who they truly are and let go of that, which is the old paradigm or the the set of negative um, beliefs or ideas that they had about themselves and, and connect with that, which they truly are, which is their passion, their joy, their excitement, their, their whatever that brings them, happiness and love, because that is what they are. And they can only be what they are through who they are. So that's my message. That's what I saw. Thank you for that message. And I wish you a great rest of your day over there in Spain. Thank you. Likewise. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.